Hi, I'm Eric, also known as TrekkieV47, from the Ranger Command Power Hour and the Starfleet Escape Podcast. You're listening to another great Four-Eyed Radio product. For more shows, check out foureyedradio.com. It's morphin' time! Wallop and web snappers! My spider sense is tingling. Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Doug. And I'm Derek. And is your spider sense tingling? Yeah, it's kind of like stepping into a Kafka novel. Oh, jeez. <laughs> to listen to the show, find us on foureyedradio.com and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. And before we get started, I just want to ask a favor right here at the top. If you're a regular Walloping Web Snappers listener and you enjoy what we're doing, please give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, but especially Apple Podcasts. It's the quickest and easiest way to show support and help us out. It costs nothing but a couple seconds maybe a minute if you want to write a review uh, and that kind of support really keeps us going and makes us easier to find so thank you if you've done that and thank you if you're thinking about doing that yeah today we are continuing our coverage of the 90s spider-man cartoon but we are joined this week uh by a guest uh for a for a regular main feed episode which is very exciting um you if, if you if you listen to all of our episodes, uh, which one, thanks, that's a big, big accomplishment. We're getting, we're getting way up there uh, in the numbers. But you, and you realize what episodes we're about to cover. Maybe you have an amazing memory and you figured out who this was going to be, or you just read the title that told you who the guest was. Uh, but we're joined today by AP of the Ranger Command Power Hour. Uh, how's it going, AP? It's going great. I'm glad to be here. I'm excited to talk yes. some Spider-Man. And Daredevil. Yes. And Daredevil. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The reason the reason you're on this episode specifically, and spoiler alert, next week's episode as well, uh, is because when we had you on to talk about a Mysterio episode from the 90s, you had mentioned that you really liked the Daredevil stuff um, or were in- interested in at least rewatching and re-exploring those. So, of course, we were coming up on them. It was time to talk Daredevil. Uh, we reached out and, and made it happen. So, we're talking Daredevil. <laughs> <laughs> So we probably uh, talked a little bit about this when you were on the first time, Um, but since we're specifically talking about Daredevil, I would love to get, I guess, your background or interest specifically in Daredevil as opposed to just like Spider-Man. Like what's your connection to Daredevil? So my connection to Daredevil is actually pretty, it's a pretty roundabout way. Um, (laughs) So (laughs) I was a fan of Alias, the TV show. And, oh, oh, I know where this is going. And then, <laughs> I, I don't know where this is and going. And then, of course, Jennifer Garner's the lead in Alias. Oh, and I noticed, I noticed okay. she was in the 2003 Daredevil movie. So I watched that. And then I was like, hmm, that movie was like, okay. It wasn't the greatest, but it was, <laughs> it was okay. It was yeah. entertaining. And that made me want to kind of get into the actual character so i started reading the comics i got quite a few of those um looking into the background 
And then I started realizing that I remembered the character from, like, my childhood watching the Spider-Man cartoon. Yeah. I remember I remembered these episodes because he he didn't really have powers in the traditional sense. He like <laughs> he has powers, but they're not like shooting webs out of out of like <laughs> they're not yeah. like spider powers. Yeah. And I just yeah. remember him doing a lot of really cool karate moves and being like a lawyer and I thought that was real cool. So I started having like flashbacks to that realizing I knew what he was all along. <laughs> That's so fun. How appropriate <laughs> that you were having flashbacks because these two episodes are riddled with flashbacks. <laughs> but I mean, hey, that means that movie did its job, right? Like, uh, whether it's good or bad, it introduced you to a character you wanted to know more about. Yeah, and then I realized I had actually seen him before. But <laughs> but no, I have always, like, ever since then, I've always liked the character. I just, I liked how he was like a street level guy. Um, kind of like Spider-Man, but less less supernaturally powers he had more like Mm -hmm. more grounded almost realistic powers and i always thought that was real cool and how his like side job was a lawyer because i was always like i was like watching law and order and stuff like that so Mm, that was that was always pretty cool to me derek any special connection to daredevil that i don't really (laughs) not really um yeah i i think i i probably knew him first from this show as well um, but I never really got into him as a character. It's the same deal. I watched the movie when it came out and it was just like, oh, okay, that was fine. Whatever. <laughs> I like the Evanescent song. I, <laughs> but otherwise it's just like, just okay. Yeah. I never really got into him further. I, you know, I've seen, like, I've seen the Netflix show, um, or most, or I've seen the first season of it. Actually, I haven't watched the past first season and it's like, oh yeah, that's good. I think Daredevil's a great character. He's really cool. Uh, it's just never one that I really delved into, but I think that I would like him if I, you know, read up more on him because mm-hmm. everything that I've ever read or seen with him has always been really fascinating and really good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I might know maybe the least amount. I know him pretty much just from this show and from uh, the Netflix show. I think that's about as much as I've explored. I, I'm, I'm, I've probably seen the movie. I would be shocked if I haven't seen the movie, but I don't really recall. <laughs> to You're be not quite honest, that much with I mean, that movie. <laughs> I've, I've heard. I've heard the director's cut though is 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 yeah. good. I've heard that it's like a, a distinct improvement. Yes. So yeah, maybe if I have no recollection, I'll just jump straight to that. I, sure. It wouldn't hurt, um, <laughs> unless you're like a like I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> just I don't agree. watch Electra. That's. That's... Oh, that I know I've seen. Yeah. <laughs> Strangely enough. <laughs> uh, that movie should have never happened. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> that's that's a that's a Patreon podcast at some point. A special topic. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> well, <laughs> we're not talking about the movies. We're not talking about the Netflix show. Today we're talking about the first part of a two-parter uh, in the 90s series that crosses over with Daredevil. Um, if you want to watch... Those episodes, you can very easily do so on Disney+. Plus. Uh, you can also purchase, as we've mentioned uh, many times, this series all over the place. Um, and there is a Daredevil vs. Spider-Man DVD set that uh, I'm sure you could find somewhere. Just a little bit of, of some fun production trivia for uh, for the this two-parter. One of the episode's writers, Mark Hoffmeyer, talked about it a little bit in an interview because he actually said that these episodes are his favorites, or at least like among his favorite episodes of, of this show in general. But one of the things that was really interesting is that apparently 
even though Daredevil, I guess he was, he was not like at the time, it wasn't like he was like an A-list character in the mainstream. I guess he was pretty exclusively like a comic book character and you would have to have read Marvel. So like, it's not a thing. It's not a thing that studio executives would know. They wouldn't know who Daredevil is. And that caused them to run into some issues with uh, getting Daredevil onto the show, uh, specifically with broadcast standards and practices. Um, because when, you know, the, the staff was pitching having Daredevil on on the Spider-Man show, um, he says, and I quote, uh, that they told him, we can't have Satan on our cartoon show, they said. We had to explain he's not the devil, he's a daredevil. And they would reply, well, he has little horns. Can you take off the little horns? Can you make them look more like ears? He's got those red, evil eyes. (laughs) He's all red. Literally all of them is red. How are you going to point out his eyes? Yep, yep. (laughs) So... Yeah, I mean, obviously, they were able to, like, get through to them. They probably showed them the comics, and it's just like, no, guys, he's a, he's a blind lawyer. He's cool. Calm down. Yeah. Um, he's not literally Satan. And he's, like, Catholic. Like, come on. You got it all wrong. Yeah. Um, surprised they didn't – if that was such a concern, I'm surprised they didn't go with an older version of the costume that wasn't all red. Like the yellow, the yellow one, yeah. 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 I mean, I guess once they got Daredevil, like, past – in the, like the first, you know, sure. past past the censors in the first place. It's sort of like, well, we're going to go full bore on this dude then, which I'm glad they did because I like how he looks in this show. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I think was sort of interesting is that Daredevil never appears again on this show that he's only in these two episodes. And I think Wait, that really, <laughs> yeah, he's only in these two episodes. <laughs> That's mind blowing because I feel like I have such a strong memory of him being associated with the show that I, I would have assumed he had at least another crossover. That's yeah. wild. That, you're not the only one because I pulled wow. out the Spider-Man animated series wiki before all this to make sure I watched all the right episodes. And they had more episodes listed there than he was actually in. Oh, so. well, unless I'm wrong and he appears in more. He I does he not because I watched those too. episodes and he was not in them. <laughs> Weird. Weird. <laughs> Wow. Whoa, that's that's legitimately shocking me. I yeah. I thought that this was just like the first crossover and that there would eventually be like a longer crossover because I feel like I have such strong memories of that association. That's wow. That's <laughs> this is yeah. real time shock. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is weird because other other characters like, you know, Blade, I think, shows up again later on, you know, mm-hmm. so it's like it's so, it is sort of weird that they introduced Daredevil and then. Don't ever bring him back. I think maybe part of the reason is that they were considering like, well, he could be another dude that that we do a solo show for. Like this could Mm. kind of be the backdoor pilot for it. From what I could find, though, like they weren't actively working on doing that until after the show was over. It was more during the era of Spider-Man Unlimited and like the Silver Surfer show uh, during that kind of time period when they were trying to get a Daredevil standalone show off the ground. But it was uh, stricken down, according to Hoffmeyer, who said an executive told him, a show about a blind lawyer? Nah. Hoffmeyer, name names. No. Right? Name names. (laughs) Right? Especially after the Netflix show and especially after people are clamoring for more of that mm-hmm. particular Daredevil. Yeah. Yeah. Name names. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's so silly. It's yeah. so silly. Huh. Well, luckily, these episodes did get made uh, at the very least. Um, so we got a little bit of Daredevil uh, in the 90s. 
this first one that we're that we're talking about of this two-parter uh, is of Spider-Man the Animated Series season three, episode six, entitled "The Sins of the Fathers," chapter five. Or no, sorry, "The Sins of the Fathers," chapter six. I forgot how to read Roman numerals just now. <laughs> entitled "Framed." The synopsis per IMDb is when Peter Parker is framed for treason, the only help he has is from Matt Murdock, both as his lawyer and as the superhero Daredevil. The original air date for this episode was September 21st, 1996. Um, it was written by some familiar people, John Semper and Mark Hoffmeyer. Uh, the teleplay specifically is credited to Brooks Watchell and Cynthia Harrison, who uh, we have talked about them way back on our third episode ever um, on Doc Ock's debut in this show. So this is this this is only the second episode that they've ever written after that episode, and I think they only write one more. And I guess just as a refresher for them, since it's been a long time, um, they do frequently collaborate. So they've worked together on shows like Clifford the Big Red Dog and Tuttenstein. Um, they created a History Channel reenactment series about air-to-air combat in the military that's called Dogfights. Yeah, I think we talked about that on that episode for like a really long time. Yeah. And then individually, Watchel has uh, written for shows like X-Man the Animated Series and RoboCop Alpha Commando. Since that original recording that we did, uh, he's also worked on something called Team Steam Beyond. Don't know what that is, but it's a recent thing, so he's still working. Let's guess. I think it's train-based superheroes in the future. I mean, the context clues fit. (laughs) (laughs) No other guesses? I was going to guess... T. Oh, I'm sorry. Like... I've been reading a lot of Gail Simone's Twitter feed lately. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, that checks out. Learning the proper way to make tea. <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> well, we are introduced to a number of characters here that will be important in both this week's discussion and next week's, of course. Obviously, Daredevil and Matthew Murdock being the primary one here. And Daredevil is voiced by Edward Albert. We know this guy very well, all three of us do, uh, because he portrays Wes Collins' dad, Mr. Collins, in Power Rangers Time Force. It's that guy. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. that's I Daredevil. I did not know that. Oh my <laughs> yeah. gosh. I didn't either until I looked this up. <laughs> yeah, me either. I remember I was watching and I was like, his voice sounds so familiar. And yeah. I was like, oh, I, I'm surprised that I never yeah. knew that. Or if I did, I must have forgotten. It's like so distinctive. Yeah. I knew I knew it from somewhere, but. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, Edward Albert also had regular recurring roles in a number of live action series, including The Yellow Rose and Falcon Crest in the 80s. The General Hospital spinoff, Port Charles, in the 90s, as well as being in the late 80s series Beauty and the Beast, which starred Linda Hamilton. Mm-hmm. He was also, I just thought this was fun slash funny. He was awarded the Golden Globe for New Star of the Year, which is a now defunct award uh, and was a <laughs> distinction that he shared, or I guess technically still shares, with the likes of Paul Newman, Robert Redford, Dustin Hoffman, James Earl Jones, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and the last to be uh, awarded this award, Ben Kingsley. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And his dad is the voice of the vulture on this very show, Eddie Albert. So a connection to this very show outside Mm -hmm. of his own. Fun stuff. (laughs) Yeah. 
We are also introduced to Richard Fisk. Uh, you could probably guess who he's related to within the universe. Uh, and he's voiced by Nick Jameson. We talked about Nick Jameson already, specifically with regards to the show in our episode 22, because he's the voice of Michael Morbius, <laughs> which we talked about uh, a while back. Uh, as a reminder, he was the Russian president for a few years on 24, and he voiced Palpatine in the Gendy Tartakovsky animated Clone Wars series. Nice. And then we get a new character that I would love to see more of, but feel like we're never going to see again, named Agent Susan Choi. <laughs> she is voiced by Amy Hill. Uh, she voiced Mrs. Hasegawa in Lilo and Stitch, as well as its subsequent television series. She was the voice of Toru's mother in the Jackie Chan Adventures, uh, Mama in American Dad, Grandma Panda in Kung Fu Panda, The Paws of Destiny, and many others. And she's also done plenty of live action stuff uh, in film and TV, films such as Big Fat Liar, Max Keeble's Big Move, 50 First Dates, and Spider-Man Homecoming, where she's the competition moderator. Oh, cool. uh, and TV shows such as All American Girl, which stars Margaret Cho, That's So Raven, where she portrays Mrs. DePaulo, General Hospital, Enlightened Preacher, and many, many more. Hmm, so she's cool. kind of all over the place. One of those people that I would have recognized but wouldn't have known necessarily yeah. what I recognized her from. Okay. Yeah, I, I looked her up and I was like, oh, yeah, I've definitely seen her in like a million things. Yep. I just can't <laughs> place exactly what they are. But yep. hey. she's one of those folks. <laughs> also, I don't think Susan Choi is a character from the comics. I think she's like made up for the show. Right. Which is sort of interesting. I'm like, not 100 percent sure, but I believe that I, I believe that. Yeah. Like I Googled it and I couldn't find anything else other than this show, which is sort of it, it, that's another case where it's sort of weird that she doesn't appear again because mm-hmm. they created a character that's very prominent in these episodes. And brought in a, like, a voice actor that's that's never been on this show otherwise before. And it's just sort of like, huh, I feel like it seemed like you had bigger plans for her, but guess not. <laughs> I know. She does feel like that. This, that yeah. character does feel like they had plans, but yeah. I guess either either they just did a good job establishing a character that they were never going to show again, or those plans got scrapped. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> so I guess we could just dive right into this episode then. Uh, This episode starts right in the middle of things with Peter Parker in court. A prosecutor argues that Peter should be denied bail and the judge rules in agreement. So Peter is cuffed and escorted out of the courtroom, past a number of reporters and into an armored police van. And Peter compares his situation and the fact that this episode is kicking off in media res to a Kafka novel, which is a reference to the trial, which is a story about a trial wherein the crime committed is never revealed. (laughs) So (laughs) just like a reader would have no idea what's going on in that story, we have no idea what's going on at the beginning of this episode. (laughs) Also, find it weird. He's not in a suit. He's just like in his regular playing clothes. Mm -hmm. Seems like for this major on treason trial, the... You know, that I, I don't feel like the, the T-shirt and rolled up jacket's a great look for it, for your <laughs> innocence. I thought it was odd how the defense attorney, no, the prosecutor looked just like him. I don't know if <laughs> yeah. any of y'all mentioned, any of y'all noticed that, but... Damn, what's the symbolism yeah. there? <laughs> I, I guess. It's like he was prosecuting himself the whole time. It was bizarre. Oh, no. It's a metaphor for his guilt. I mean... I mean, (laughs) I just think it's funny that, like, I'm pretty sure last week I literally said, I wonder how long it's going to go before we get an episode that doesn't pick up, you know, moments after the last one. And then the next Mm. episode we talk about is exactly that. Yeah. (laughs) We have no idea what the time relationship is between this episode and the last one. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, and they play it up too, like mm-hmm. the 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 sort of mystery and of it, like the you know you're you're thrown off like from the beginning of this episode, which makes it stand out. It's definitely really unique. Like maybe that's one reason why the Daredevil episodes are so memorable because <laughs> these are just uh, it's it definitely stands out from any other episode we watch of this show right from the get go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't. I didn't remember any of the court stuff, but it could just be like the shock of it all. Uh, you know, made yeah. it made it burned in my memory somewhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, as Peter is transported to prison, a series of explosions and missiles dropped by helicopter overturn the armored vehicle he's uh, riding in, and a number of police cruisers as well. Uh, inside the vehicle, Peter breaks free of his restraints, and the doors of the van are ripped off, revealing. Spider-Man? Uh, but he's wearing a very familiar belt. <sighs> that fucking belt. <laughs> that belt bothers belt. me so much because they constantly play up really good drama of like, who? what's going on? Like, what's there's just is so confusing. But like, the belt is so gaudy and bright and colorful and obvious. Yep. And it's like, I can't. Yep. Just look at the belt, man. <laughs> Did you remember the belt, AP? Yes. (laughs) It's like Spider-Man's doing all this crazy bad stuff, but look at this suspicious new belt he has. Like, yeah, yeah. Nobody noticed that. Beautiful, bright yellow and teal belt that goes perfectly with his costume. Yeah, I don't get it because in this episode they throw you into a confusing situation that would have been perfect to capitalize on with Mm -hmm. a scene including both Peter Parker and Spider-Man. And then they just completely undercut it for anybody who's ever seen a chameleon episode. Mm-hmm. Very right. silly. It's well, and because we, we talked about, I think way back on the original chameleon episode that like the only way that it makes sense is if it's sort of in universe, it's just not as noticeable as, as it is to us as an audience. It's more like your suspension of disbelief is supposed to be that that's for you to help keep track of who the chameleon is in the context of the episode rather than that belt looking that obvious in the actual universe of the show, because otherwise like it just breaks all mm-hmm. reality of everything of it. Um, but then it's like, yeah, there's no benefit to the audience for knowing very clearly right off the bat that that's chameleon, you know? Yeah. It's fully for us, which in this case makes it more frustrating than anything else. Yeah. Lose the belt. I think they do eventually lose the belt, but God, they should I have lost so. it now. <laughs> yeah. This was the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, after smoke screening the police both on the ground and in the air, quote, Spider-Man grabs Peter and they fly off in one of the helicopters. In the helicopter, Spider-Man laughs at Peter and Peter wonders how he wound up in such an unexpected situation, which kicks off the first of many flashbacks. (laughs) Record scratch. Wondered how I got in this situation. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Well, in that flashback, we learn a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, It's a very long flashback. First of all, we find out that Peter tells us uh, someone named Richard Fisk offered him a work-study opportunity working with this large computer systems uh, company place, seemingly out of the blue. But he learns quickly that the offer is because of his academic merit and, and having saved his father's life. His father, Wilson Fisk, of course. Um, Which Peter did not connect. He was like, this yeah. random person named Richard Fisk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, they do also, like, repeatedly call out the Hobgoblin two-parter from back in the first season where Peter saved Wilson Fisk's life. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it is a nice reminder that, like, throughout all of this, this entire show, for, like, almost three seasons, he's still never connected the dots that Wilson Fisk is kingpin. Right. Um, so that's that's kind of fun. 
so yeah so it, it, peter's like okay cool i guess i karma is finally like caught up with me in a good way now i get something good out of the good deeds that i've done Peter explains to us, the audience, that his job at Fisktronics was as a systems operations troubleshooter. And when he was done troubleshooting, the system would write him this disk with information regarding the system's performance that he would just like put in his pocket and leave with. I don't get that part. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was kind of messy. (laughs) It's like so it's 100 percent only there for the plot because they need a reason for him to be carrying like information or, or what becomes evidence outside of the company for when he gets arrested. But there's no reason why he would have to take this information home. Like you, any company, it makes sense that they would keep it, uh, you know, on, on site. Or why is he not just delivering it to like a Dropbox somewhere on the campus? I guess like the, the argument is that like, this is spoiler the plan of like Fisk and that company to be framing Peter. So like they've given him all the instructions to make sure that he does leave the area with a disc. It's just like, I still very curious of like what Peter believes he's doing with the disc that he's taking off site and taking home. Like where they gave him instructions to keep all these diagnostic discs in his closet at home. And he's just like, okay, yeah, sure. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, because ultimately the connection, and again, this is jumping forward a little bit, but this episode jumps all over the place timeline-wise anyway. Uh, like, it, the he's accused of, like, selling information, right? But they don't ever actually, on screen or in the story, sort of, like, connect how that connection is made. Because yeah. all we ever see is him putting the disc in his pocket and walking away. So, like, he's not, he he doesn't ever give any indication that he's delivering that information to anyone. So I don't know. It's very weird. It is. Yeah. I mean, they keep a lot of it vague, which is fine. I think it's, I I wouldn't mind it so much if it wasn't sort of so integral to the entire frame job. That's like the whole reason for these episodes existing. You know, (laughs) it's kind of important to have your frame up, like making sense early on for all this to work. So it's kind of a bummer. So the other thing that's kind of uh, fascinating about this job that he got is that he says it's allowing him to make enough money to quit working for Jameson, uh, which he then goes on to say, so life's pretty good, huh? (laughs) I get to quit the Daily Bugle and not work for Jameson, so things are nice. (laughs) Um, Well, they only go nice for so long because, like you alluded to, Derek, he walks out of work one day with this disc in his pocket, um, and he stops at a hot dog cart, and the woman working the hot dog cart pulls a gun on him and says, hey, stop. And then a bunch of other, like, seemingly ragtag, just random New York, like, blue-collar workers, like, storm him with their laser guns. Um, and he's like, what in the world is going on? I must run. <laughs> um, and then realizes that they were they were after him trying to get this diagnostic disc, which doesn't make any sense to him because it's just diagnostics information. I don't know. I just <laughs> think Jameson was complaint like, he was yelling at him, telling him, taught him everything he knows. Maybe he didn't teach him enough because he got himself into this situation. <laughs> He's a it's almost like Jameson reporter. didn't teach him anything. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> Although, is this? No, it was a different series where Jameson pretends to be uh, like a beat reporter. That's right. I was going to say, didn't oh, didn't we see no. Jameson pretending to be a re- reporter and it failed miserably? But different show. <laughs> different show. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, obviously, Peter Parker suits up, right? And tries to figure out, like, what's going on with this ragtag bunch. But even after he suits up as Spider-Man, these random folks with guns turn on him and basically say, like, well, Peter Parker and Spider-Man work together, so let's get him. Um, And helicopters get involved and all sorts of more futuristic weapons get involved. And Peter is like, wait, this is really weird. Like, it's not just that they're after me, Spider-Man. But they were specifically after Peter Parker, and that's never really happened before. So something very strange is going on, which is a good point. Yeah, he uh, then recalls again. He's still. Uh, I. <laughs> this isn't like a, a, a. This isn't a criticism, but I do think it's so funny the way that the story is narrated to us. Peter Peter has like his internal monologue voice when he's talking to himself, but the way that he like explains this and vocalizes all of this stuff to the audience, like it does sound like he is talking directly to a person in a way that I find really interesting and kind of fun, um, but also just sort of funny sometimes because it really does just seem like he's just sitting down and like telling us a story rather than this being his like flashback and internal monologue. Um, Doesn't it kind of feel like it should be a court testimonial? Like he should be giving does. his. Like, he should be on the witness stand almost. Yeah, it sounds like it was written like that. I bet it was then, considered. I, I was going to yeah. make a How I Met Your Daredevil joke, but... <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It really is that, though. It's, that's that's exactly... Yeah, it's that exact sort of, like, vocal tone and delivery. Wow. And, and the way that it's worded and everything. It's so funny. Ted Mosby as Peter Parker. Oh, boy. Oh. <laughs> We cast that show once. We cast Neil Patrick Harris in a in a Spider-Man sitcom once. We did. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um anyway, as Peter as Peter tells us as he rega- continues to regale the story to his two children sitting on the couch in the far future. Um <laughs> he uh recalls being apprehended while checking in with Aunt May who is like gonna call the police because a bunch of randos are just storming into her house but then this prompts the return of detective terry lee who's like you're calling the cops i'm a cop we're all cops um (laughs) (laughs) the the woman from the hot dog cart reveals that she is federal agent susan Choi, and that the diagnostic discs peter's been burning actually contain top secret government defense plans making him an accused traitor Mm. derek I thought of you in this scene because oh, Peter, uh, he's he's not wearing different clothes, but he's taken his like outer layer off. Oh yeah. So yeah. his character model is sort of half in a different outfit. Yeah. You've corrupted <laughs> my brain. Mm-hmm. I've, I've <laughs> destroyed your brain. <laughs> now, AP, it's kind of uh, wonderful uh, that Terry Lee comes back for these episodes that yes. you're here from I was because. Just yeah, because we talked about her when you were on for Mysterio. Yeah. She was in that one, too. Yeah, we talked about how yeah. cool she was and how she mm. needed to be in the series more. And I don't... Yes! Yeah. <laughs> She's popped up a few times this season, like, but very, like, briefly and kind of fleetingly. This is this is the first time in a while that she's had a very significant role in the story, I think. I was worried about it because she storms in with, like, the federal agents. So I was like, oh, no, where is this yeah. going to go? But I was, I was yeah. scared of... I was scared at first. Like she can't, yeah. she can't be going after Spider Man. But I know, right? She's like the one sort of cop on his side. You know? Yeah. yeah. It's sort yeah. of contentious, but like in the way that's like, get your shit together, Spider Man. Yep. Get your right. shit together, Peter. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> 
but then next, uh, Peter recalls uh, once he's in prison or in jail, uh, he recalls meeting his lawyer, Matt Murdock, whom he immediately insult insults. Uh, <laughs> like the, literally, the first thing he says to him is like, "I've never met a blind lawyer before." What? Wait, do you have like no are you, no tact at well, all? Are you are, kidding me? We already know this is the worst Peter Parker, so doesn't <laughs> shock me. Yeah. It's not yeah. even just that he's like, I've never met a, a blind lawyer. It's that he's like, you're my lawyer? And then when he explains himself, that's how he explains himself. Like, as if that's an okay way to justify what he just did. Yeah. And it's so yeah. bizarre, though, because he, like, immediately after Matt introduces himself and says, like, his name. Then he's like, oh, yeah, you're that really good lawyer. How can I afford you? <laughs> right. It's like, it's, like, what is going on here? Like, what is this, like... What is this dynamic? Do you know who he is or not? Like, is yeah. But you, actually, AP, you might be the right person to ask this question to because I was wondering this. Like, I had that same reaction where Peter Parker is like, "Oh, you're that famous lawyer," because he even says like, mm -hmm. "How how did you get assigned to my case?" Right? Because you're this big shot famous lawyer. Mm -hmm. Um, my first reaction was like, "If he's so famous, how do you not know he's blind?" But then I thought like, I think that might have been a thing in the Netflix show too, where people might have known of him but didn't realize he was blind. Is that like a common thing where like people have heard of him but then but that's not like a thing they've heard about him i am probably like the worst person to ask that <laughs> I, I just figured you had more knowledge i can't, than I can't remember the um because i only got into like the comics for a very like specific arc and then i kind of gotcha. dropped off because the local comic okay. store went out of business so, <laughs> oh no! So I wasn't able to continue or really get any back issues at that point because I didn't know. Okay, I wasn't really familiar with the fact that I could probably order stuff like online or get it from somewhere mm -hmm. else. I thought it had to be at a comic shop. Um, gotcha. So I don't know exactly. Um, it wouldn't. I want to say maybe that's a possibility. Maybe people know his name. Like, his name's a little bit more infamous than actually he is. Yeah. But, and um, I think it's realistic that, like, yeah. he might be in news stories, and those news stories don't immediately point out the fact that he's blind, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I would hope, at least. Or there might be, like... Matt Murdock, comma, famous blind lawyer, comma. <laughs> right. Like, he might be in, like, newspaper articles, like, the defense attorney, Matt Murdock, and it doesn't mention, right, yeah. like, anything beyond the, like, cool legal stuff he did. Right, because like his personal details aren't relevant uh, yeah. to the story necessarily, but uh, it doesn't change the fact that Peter's a dick. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're my lawyer, but you're blind. Oh god. <laughs> I, I do like Matt's uh, his uh, his rebuttal to that. He's like, "Well, I've never met an accused traitor before." So <laughs> yep. I think it's really cool that in this scene they show Matt reading Braille. Which mm -hmm. is a specific thing they would have had to do differently from anything else they've done on the show in that, like, they had to make paper with Braille printing on it, which doesn't seem like a big deal. But, like, the show doesn't show that much writing anyway, you know? Yeah. Um, and when it does, it's like a featured thing. And this is just something that's part of the environment. So the type of thing they would have easily just sort of glossed over if it had been printed text. But I think it's cool that they show him reading uh, Braille. 
Yeah, I agree. Because they don't call it out in the episode, but mm-hmm. but you still have to have, and you have to have his like hand movements, you know, as he's reading the Braille and everything and making sure that that's communicated overseas when they're animated animating it since it isn't called out in the script. So like that is something that did, I think that's right to call out because it, it, it did take extra attention to detail on everyone's part to make sure that that was included, even if it's kind of a simple detail. Right. Well, we finally flash for I say finally, we flash back and forth. I, and that it, it was a lot of info, but it wasn't actually that long. So we flash forward <laughs> as we would have expected to do at some point. And when we do, uh, we get the helicopter reaching its destination at an inconspicuous warehouse uh, where Peter is delivered by, quote, Spider-Man uh, to Richard Fisk, who reveals that Peter was brought into Fisktronics as a fall guy and that his escape was planned to ensure uh, that Peter was viewed as guilty, uh, which I, I actually kind of like that. They just call this out, not necessarily because it would have been hard for like us to figure out, but I do think like as a kid, I might not have necessarily known what was going on yet <laughs> without him being like, we did this on sure. purpose and you, we made you look like the bad guy, like, yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, so makes it makes sense. sense to do that here. Um, and then, Spider-Man reveals himself to be the chameleon. What? What? (laughs) (laughs) Shocking. Uh, Shocking. And then Richard locks Peter in an airtight cell with only minutes of breathable air. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Okay. Did did this make sense to anybody? Because it didn't make sense to me. He brings Peter on as a fall guy, and then he helps him escape to ensure that Peter looks as guilty as possible and then wants to kill him? I mean, I guess the only reason to kill him is because he just admitted what he was doing. But I feel like he's admitting to what he's doing for us, the audience. And the show could have kind of just ignored the fact that he did that. If he kills Peter, like, how is that How is that helpful? I mean, I don't know. I feel like there's ways. It, it, it's weird, but I think that, that there's ways around it because they can... I mean, they're not going to explain this to the audience. This is way too dark, but they could probably make it look like it was a suicide or something like that. Yeah. Um, or, you know, some something to further prove his guilt in the eyes of, you know, the justice system or something. I guess that's true. Yeah, that's a good point. I just was like, that's such a, yeah. With that context, it makes more sense. But my reaction in the moment was like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> you had yeah. such a fancy plan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All of this does like, you know, this is going to sound really weird, but it makes me like lose a lot more respect for Wilson Fisk. Not that he's like a good guy by any stretch of the imagination, but I feel like this whole this whole thing really solidifies how like evil he is, because I always felt like he would have at least some semblance of honor, given that Peter Parker, a random dude, did save his life like back in the first season. And they repeatedly call back to that fact that he did that. And he's still like is like, yeah, the guy who like literally saved my life. Yeah, he's just going to be the fall guy for this plan and we're going to murder him pretty horrifically after destroying his entire life and his entire reputation. Like it's like extra shitty given their history, you know, like it almost seems weirdly vindictive. I, yeah, I guess so for this Wilson Fisk. It doesn't, it doesn't like if, if we were talking like Vincent D'Onofrio's version of Wilson Fisk, like I'd be there with you a hundred percent. Cause he, he's so like rigid in his like belief set. Uh, this one I feel like is, is, I guess, like, I don't know. 
I, I thought you were going to go in a different direction. I thought you were going to talk about how you lost a little respect for Wilson Fisk because his son is such a goddamn mess. Oh, um, that's you. <laughs> but I didn't. I that's didn't. Fair. I admittedly didn't think about that part. So now I'm thinking about it. I don't know. I guess I just. You would have thought it would have been like the sort of. I don't know. It's just maybe. Maybe I'm just. It, I'm just thinking like typical mafia tropes, but it's sort of like, yeah, you you save my life, so like that's that's a plus in my book, like kind of thing. And it's just weird that it's just like they they don't. It's not that they forgot that that happened. They again very explicitly call out Peter Parker saved the kingpin's life, mm-hmm. and then he's just gonna kill him just for shits and giggles. Like it's it just it's very it just seems extra. It's how you get him in the door? That's how you convince him. You know? <laughs> yeah, I guess it's how so. That's how you convince him. So. That's like, yeah, I totally owe you, man, and nothing bad's gonna happen here because I owe you. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Unless that's just you know largely Richard's plan, and Wilson's like, yeah, sure, whatever, do whatever you want. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Hello, amazing friends. We just wanted to take a quick moment to thank our spectacular enough patrons, Bo, Eric, Steve, Carl, Katie, Mike, Lillian, and Douglas. If you would like to support our show too, our way of saying thanks is by giving you lots of cool Spidey goodies. You'll have early access to all our episodes, including our AMAs, where we answer your burning questions about anything and everything. And we mean everything. If you join us at our $5 spectacular level, you get to hear us let loose and talk about wackier stuff in our After Dark commentaries or our movie commentaries where we watch every single Spidey-related theatrical film from the Raimi films to Amazing Spider-Man to Spider-Verse, Venom, Avengers Endgame, and more. And at our amazing tier, we'll invite you to be a guest on our show. That's right, you. You all make our show better, whether it's by sending us Word Snappers words, making us fan art, joining our Discord community, or just listening to us every week. This is our way of saying thank you for supporting this show and inspiring us to dip into media even we didn't realize was on our radar. Whatever tier you opt into, thank you so much. Whether you're an avid listener or just stopping by, we appreciate you. From your friendly neighborhood podcasters, thank you. Well, on the way out of the warehouse, Richard Fisk comments to Chameleon on the irony of Peter Parker being accused of treason after what Chameleon recently revealed to Richard about Peter's parents but doesn't go into further detail. And I'm going to fully admit that I have no idea what he's talking about. Cause I don't remember. <laughs> cool. <laughs> we'll find out in about two years. So. Great. I couldn't even remember if they addressed it. So can't wait to get there. <laughs> we got a while. We, we got, we got plenty of time. <laughs> cool that they set that up though. I guess. Uh, yeah. I did not know that they set it up that early. Yeah. Early. Yeah. Did that mean anything to you AP? In this context? Oh, yeah. No, I don't. I was very, I was confused at that part. (laughs) Like, I don't, I felt like I was missing so much. And then they didn't, it's like what you say in the show notes. He doesn't explain anything else. I don't. They hadn't built up to this. Like, this is the very first time the show's addressed it. So you're, I mean, you're not missing anything. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're supposed to be confused, I think. Because it's, because if you don't know the comics, which none of us as kids would have, it's, I think it's meant to be something where you're like, wait, what? But then, you know, (laughs) you forget about it. It felt like like something else was supposed to happen there and it never did. (laughs) Just clues for the far future. Well, yeah, moments later, a mysterious superhero in red arrives at the warehouse. A very devilish looking 
character, in fact. Uh, he takes down a dozens of guards. He frees Peter just before Peter runs out of air. Um, and then we learn that the hero identifies himself as Daredevil and shares that Matt Murdock sent him to retrieve Peter and drop him off at Matt Murdock's home. Yes. The first of many clues that somebody who also has an alter ego should be picking up on. But yeah. <laughs> doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah. I will say this scene made me a little, I don't know, this is like probably my least favorite Matt Murdock interpretation out of like oh, yeah? all Matt Murdock interpretations because of this mm. scene. And oh. also because of his entrance. He just seems so like, almost like swarmy. He's like uncomfortably like, uncomfortably confident in this scene. <laughs> yeah, like kind of smug yeah kind of and and hmm. matt murdoch has like a little bit of like an attitude like a little bit of sass that's like who he is because he's like he he is a like kind of like a sassy attorney sometimes but <laughs> <laughs> but like he's just so like he's so confident in this scene and also it's the voice as well edward albert he's not bad but his voice is so deep and like commanding <laughs> I feel like it makes the scene or it makes the character I just don't know how to describe it. It's like he just he he makes the character more I don't know. I w- I want to say old. He's just a little too I don't know. Like authoritative. Yes. Maybe? Like it's like he's he's a little too commanding. Mm. That's what I'm going for. He's just a little too commanding. I think that makes sense cuz like or at least from the 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 few sort of uh, bits and pieces I've gotten of Matt Murdock's uh, and different things in that, like, I feel like he is a uh, a superhero who, when not suited up, makes himself much, much smaller um, mm-hmm. so as to be inconspicuous. He sort of is forced to downplay what he's able to do. And I don't know how much of that is just me relying specifically on the Netflix portrayal. Um, but I feel like he did that in a little bit of comics crossover I saw with him in Spider-Man as well, where he really like plays up the fact that like, oh, I'm just nobody over here. Um, I'm just doing my job and going about my business. So I kind of get what you're saying. He even wore that, like, it's a pretty famous panel in the comics where he wore that shirt that said like, I'm not Daredevil. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's like, he's kind of, he's not like a goof, but he's not so... He's not usually, like, super commanding, and I don't know if it's intentional or if it's just, like, the voice actor. But Hmm. this scene specifically just made me kind of, like, I usually love Daredevil, but Mm rewatching it now, I was just like, that's not, it's just a little too much. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's the the effect of this show, where, like, every man is, like, a muscular, like, manly man type character. Yeah, it's a very like '90s aggro like, to the extreme, cranked up to the, to eleven sort of mentality that the show it constantly pumps out with every yeah. character. The bright blonde hair didn't help either. I'm <laughs> in the comics I read, he kind of had like stylized like brownish red hair usually, mm-hmm. and that was kind of throwing me off as well because I'm trying to, and I was trying to relate it back to the comics I'm familiar with, and that was yeah. not. That was just so far, so far removed from that. 
Yeah, I don't quite understand the hair color choice in this case. I under, like because I, I understand in some cases sometimes if there's like too many male characters with brown hair, they'll switch swap out the hair color mm-hmm. just to differentiate them more or whatever. But it is kind of I mean not that like hair color matters that much at the end of the day, but it's it's such an arbitrary thing because there aren't that many redheads on the show, especially not male redheads um, that we've met yet. Um, and his, and his character design is distinct enough that if you just like made it, made him have orange hair, I think it would be fine. Actually, literally always wearing sunglasses and carrying a walk, like a, a seeing stick. Mm -hmm. Like he could look literally the same as Peter Parker and you would always know who's who. (laughs) <laughs> it's kind of funny because, like, with Eddie Brock, they made him from a blonde to a redhead, and then with with Matt Murdock, they made him from like a redhead to a blonde. So, and and in in both cases, I have no clue why. Why <laughs> it just seems arbitrary. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because I when he had blonde hair, I was like, is that a thing? I I don't actually know. Sounds yeah. like maybe not. <laughs> and I just googled it real quick just to make sure that I wasn't mistaken and almost Mm -hmm. every comic panel that i'm seeing in the google results he's got like brownish red hair like brown (laughs) or like reddish hair it's like that's not the blonde just kind of i I don't know this Uh is just a strange characterization of matt murdoch (laughs) for me it stands out it stands out for sure (laughs) definitely um absolutely and but it's like you said it's kind of on brand with this 90s cartoon and its characterization Mm -hmm. of like all the male characters oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, this is where we get Daredevil backstory. We get another flashback here specifically about Matt Murdock. So it's a sort of standard Matt Murdock story, as far as I understand, uh, where his father is a boxer who's struggling to make ends meet. And so he ends up kind of dabbling in crime. Uh, in this case, he's specifically collecting money for uh, what Matt describes as an up and coming mobster who we learn either is the kingpin or is connected to the kingpin. And when when Matt witnesses his father collecting or working, uh, he runs off upset, understandably, which causes uh, like a he, he runs into the street, which causes one of Kingpin's trucks carrying radioactive waste to overturn uh, the waste blinds Murdoch. As a result, his father then tries to, like, get back at Kingpin, fails miserably and is disappeared. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so that's kind of like the the pre-origin origin story we get for daredevil here we also get a little bit of like the how daredevil comes to be because he recalls how in this in this story specifically says like his blindness enhanced his other senses uh, and then he was found by a man named stick uh, which is where he ultimately gains uh, and hones his skills to become the superhero daredevil so like you said ap no real like specific direct acknowledgement of like superhumanness other than just like uh, above uh, above average sounds like not enough, but like they yeah. attribute all of his skills to ones that he built up, even though they did reference like radioactive material. They don't say that that gave him powers. Yeah. I'm shocked that they went into the, the stick part of his backstory because sometimes that's glossed over when you get Daredevil introductions. And <laughs> it was in the 2003 movie. I honestly don't remember the Netflix series too much. But I remember the hand, which is the group that Stick is in, sort of involved with, mm-hmm. um, was featured pretty prominently for a while. And I'm shocked for a, like a children's cartoon, they actually went into, they actually went into that backstory, and I I did appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they could have watered it down even more, right? Just to yeah. say like, 
you know, this, I, I, an accident made me blind and being blind made my senses good. And I had to Mm -hmm. figure it out on the streets because my dad wasn't there and they could have, they could have literally just did that. And I think, uh, not necessarily missed a beat. So I appreciate them digging a little bit deeper as well. Yeah, this the show has a good track record with its guest villain or guest villains, <laughs> guest guest superheroes. <laughs> well, he is the devil after he all. He is the devil. He's Satan. Um, with their guest superheroes that you know, uh, aside from like the X Men crossover because they had their own show, like with Blade and with Punisher, and now with Daredevil. In all cases, like they they delve, I think, a lot more deep into their backstories and their episodes than you would expect them to. And they don't shy away from the darkness of those backstories either. Um, which I, yeah, I, I agree is kind of really commendable, especially with a lot of the censorship that this show dealt with and the way that it sort of had to overlook stuff. I don't know how, but they were able to get a lot of the kind of the doom and gloom and death of these Marvel characters, backstories, into the show and and maybe because it's it, it is part of the origin or that it's not dwelled upon a lot but i think it really uh i think it's it's it, in this case it, it works really well especially considering how condensed it is i think you still get all of the uh all of the emotional beats of the daredevil origin story even if it's kind of in a rapid succession absolutely so we flash forward and basically like with Murdoch having given his story, he's like, well, I'll let you rest, Peter. You've had a, a rough day. And naturally, Peter's like, all right, deuces, and dips out. We cut to the Parkers. Or actually, I have a question for you specifically, Derek. Yeah. <laughs> There's some stuff environmentally that confuses me. Are we uh-huh. at the Parkers or are we at the Watsons? I don't know if I'm know. remembering correctly what happened. I thought that Aunt May moved in with Anna Watson, but I'm not sure if I'm just misremembering that. In, like, the wrong direction. No, because Peter still lives with Aunt May. He hasn't moved out. Um, Didn't he move in with Harry? For one episode, and then was like, and then the whole point of that episode was that you should stay with your uh, okay. aunt at the end <laughs> <laughs> um, and not live in the free apartment that okay. he's being paid I'm for. I'm just, this is bad. I'm getting, like, the comic stuff mixed up yeah. with the, the 90s show stuff. Because then yeah, I was no. thinking, like, I thought we got to the point where, like, Doc Ock moved in and then but no in this show he doesn't actually move in <laughs> no, none of that happens that's, that's okay really different thank you yeah, no, i'm just aunt, losing aunt, my aunt, actual mind aunt may still lives in, still lives in her own house with peter and i think aunt, aunt anna is just her next door neighbor still so like it doesn't really i know there's been a couple of episodes where aunt may and aunt anna are hanging out together or having dinner together i don't think it really matters whose house is whose because they're the exact same sets like there's no difference yeah. And they're just going to each other's houses anyway. So yeah, it only mattered where Peter lived, I guess. Um, yeah, and I, yeah. I guess I completely forgot that he's still living with Aunt May. So anyway, they're at. We cut to the Parkers. All of that to say, uh, it's definitely the Parkers, I guess. Um, Anna sends May to like rest because uh, rough day. Peter's gone to court and is being accused of being a traitor. Um, and Anna basically says to MJ, like, I knew this was coming. I knew he was a bad guy. He's probably guilty. Uh, and MJ's like, what are you talking about? This is ridiculous. So that, I mean, that happens. We get more, I, we've seen Anna not approving of Peter before. So it's not really a surprise. It's just like kind of extreme. She um, sucks. She does suck. <laughs> she sucks a lot, which I guess is important for this episode. Yeah. Is it? I don't know. Whatever. No, she just sucks. They crank. I think they do crank her a little bit. There's like no no redeeming qualities for Anna. Ninety nine percent of the time, unfortunately, yeah. just a bummer. Yeah. Now I want to ask. I want to ask you guys a question. 
before we mm-hmm. get too far into this because yeah it, it the thought hit my mind while this this scene was playing specifically is it intentional that aunt may looks like angela lansbury oh i don't know because if that way it might have been the more i watched this show in preparation for this i kept trying to figure out why does she look so familiar and then it hit me this drawing of aunt may looks just like angela lansbury a murder she wrote yeah, and that would have been the right timing, you know, that show was would have already been out and popular. And that's notable too because this this character model isn't exactly the most faithful character model to the comics we get because in the comics, I feel like most often she's portrayed with like a bun, right? Yeah. And this yeah. one sort of has like uh that curly murder she wrote Angela Lansbury hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I was I'm just doing a quick Google and I haven't I haven't seen anything pop up from an interview or whatever, but I wouldn't be surprised if that at least wasn't some inspiration, even if like subconscious when uh, when they were making the character designs, because, yeah, she would have been in the zeitgeist by that point as like a famous older lady, you know? (laughs) Oh, absolutely. She's been like a famous older lady for like 70 years. It's like mind blowing. (laughs) I don't understand how Angela Lansbury has literally always been famous as an old lady. (laughs) Even when she wasn't an old lady, she was a famous old lady. (laughs) I know, right? I don't get it. (laughs) Like like Wilford Brimley, even like Ed Asner to an extent. It's just like, they've only ever been old people. Like, how did you, how have you lived like 70 years as an old person? Right. Understand. It's like I know you can find pictures of them young, but like I cannot perceive it. It's not possible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, ultimately, Anna Watson checks in on May, like right after she's dismissed her. I guess because she like asks her what she wants for dinner or whatever. Yeah. Um, and finds May looking quite ill on the couch. Uh, because anytime May is stressed, she becomes ill. Uh it's and Aunt May she, disease. Aunt May disease, exactly. Uh, And so Anna Watson tells MJ to call an ambulance. Uh, They do that, but we cut back to Peter, who we know is heading home, um, and he misses that part of the interaction, right? Like, he shows up through a sewer right after the ambulance leaves, so he just sees all the police cars there and is like, oh, well, they're probably here for me. Uh, So he sneaks into the house, grabs his suit or a suit, suits up, and is off to Fisktronics to try to figure out how to clear his name. The way that he sneaks off is uh, as isn't that when he's like as Peter? No, is it? No, because he's Spider-Man now. I'm thinking I have the distinct visual of maybe it's when he leaves Matt's place. He like jumps onto a bus as Peter Parker and like climbs under the bus. Yes, that's that's after Matt's place. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just thought that was kind of a funny, weird visual. It's like, it's going to be hot and dirty under there, buddy. But I I guess you don't have your Spider-Man outfit. So what else are you going to (laughs) do? I don't know. Take the bus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he's a wanted criminal. Like, oh, that's know, true. Yeah, that's true. Good yeah, point. and he doesn't have a disguise. <laughs> put some sunglasses. Do the MCU thing. Put like a, a cap. A, a, a put up your hood and put some sunglasses on. That's your disguise when you're on the run from the government. That's what they always do. Or do the '90s animated series thing and ask Matt Murdock for a trench coat, and you're a, a completely coat. different person. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Anyway. 
uh, at Fisktronics as Spider-Man, he begins to hack into the computer system, but he's interrupted by Daredevil, who, having believed Spider-Man was working with Fisk against Peter, um, because, you know, Chameleon was masquerading as Spider-Man earlier, he's thinking that Spider-Man is planting evidence against Peter. Um, so they have a little, a little, a little superhero fight, uh, then their conver- uh, conversation, and then their confrontation is further interrupted by a bunch of guards who immediately just begin firing on both of them. Of course. Mm-hmm. Like you do. <laughs> the episode ends with two of the guards hauling in and activating a bomb during all this chaos to destroy the facility, as well as any evidence that can be used against Kingpin. Failing to disarm the device, Spider-Man and Daredevil are like, oh shit. Uh, they find themselves trapped in the now burning building. Everything's collapsing. Lots of explosions to be continued. Are we going to lose Spider-Man and Daredevil in the explosion and both of them die in this episode? Probably yes. so. That's just makes no sense. <laughs> This, these last couple scenes are like pretty like chaotic fight scenes, but we do get like Spider-Man versus Daredevil. AP, how how's the action in this one? How do you how I, you feel about the action? <laughs> how's the fight choreo? I I mean I love the action in this one. For some reason, hand to hand combat like that without too many like lasers and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's it's just <laughs> yeah. I don't know something about grounded superheroes. I just I just like it. It's more realistic. I could like see it happening. Well, they don't get fancy with it, right? Yeah. Like both of them have gadgets and things that they could use, but it doesn't get overly complicated. Yeah. Yeah, we haven't seen that really on this show. I don't feel like none of Spider like all of Spider-Man's villains have some kind of gadget or a shtick and even other superheroes are all gadget or power-based. I feel like this is the first time where we've really seen an extensive hand-to-hand martial arts fight between Spider-Man and someone else, yeah. which I think does make it stand out a lot. Yes. that That is what I was trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> we knew where you were going with it. Yeah, yeah. I'll just steal that thought from you. It's okay. That's <laughs> fine. I was just reading your mind. You know, that's all. Those, those, those are all your thoughts. Oh, cool. my gosh. <laughs> well, face of this episode got i got i pulled a few of them i really love just your friendly neighborhood kingpin of crime tending to his flowers he like sniffs his flowers he's cutting them off he's like there's a point when he's talking to peter and he's like twirling a flower around over his head while he's talking like the show never does like business like that but it's all over this one he's just a, a sweet man who loves his plants and also murders people, but you know. Yeah, I'm excited to see more Kingpin finally because I don't remember a lot of the like fancy but also sort of like weird quirkiness of Kingpin from this show. And there's more of it than I recall. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I do think this is a distinct version of Kingpin, uh, but it's closer to that netflix version than i would have remembered it being yeah i remembered the sort of like brutality of kingpin and the intelligence of kingpin i didn't remember the culture of kingpin uh the other image that i pulled that i just really love it's just peter parker is usually spider-man swinging with other people in his arms uh so when else are you ever going to see peter parker in the arms of another superhero who is swinging through new york city I, I can't think of another time, so I think it's just worth uh, just calling that out. It's beautiful. His hair looks great. It, really it does. does. <laughs> I wish there were a better, a better moment of fake Spider-Man 
holding Peter Parker, yeah. but there's not like a good, they don't like really focus on that. Cause that could have been a really funny reference or homage they did, but they didn't really capitalize on it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, first half of the daredevil two parter revisiting this AP so far, like I know you commented a little bit on the Matt Murdoch and whatnot, but like, how much of what you remember or expected was being delivered in this first part? It was almost exactly how I remembered it from like <laughs> previous, from watching it when I was a kid, when I was younger. It's yeah. almost exactly how I remember it. Like awesome. Matt Murdock, the cool, cool attorney coming in to save the day. All the <laughs> night, neat hand-to-hand fights. Him throwing the billy club around. Yeah. The dark red like stark contrast suit to the spider-man it was everything i expected and like wanted it to be mm-hmm. except for like the weird like swarmy matt murdoch <laughs> i did not quite remember that part and yeah. i don't think i liked that but other mm. than that it was almost exactly exactly what i wanted out of this episode yeah, the Daredevil side of things are is cool. Like yeah. that stuff is all cool. Yeah. And his his club like makes that sort of like whistly noise when he throws it, yes. which is fun. Love it. It like shouldn't practically, but I love it and I want it every single time. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I I really do love the look of Daredevil in this. Um, like the way that they utilize the type of shading that this show does and that like shading his suit that way with the red and black sort of like inverted in the way that you'd expect it. Like I know some comics have done that, have done that too, but um, it's, it's really nice to see the show doing that. Cause I think, I think he really pops as a character um, the way that they, they do the shading on him. Yeah. He looks really rad. Um, it yeah. definitely, it, <laughs> it does sort of like, I guess they do it differently than like Venom and eventually yeah. Carnage, but it does kind of inspire the question of like, is he wearing a black suit or is he wearing a red suit? <laughs> I mean, we know he's wearing a red suit, but just, I know we've brought up before that sort of like specific shading that they do with Venom uh, and Carnage. Uh, and yeah. then when we talked about, you know, Spider-Man 2099 at one point way back in history, we brought that mm-hmm. up as well. But it, it always looks cool regardless of what it's actually meant to communicate. It looks rad as hell. Yeah. It really, <laughs> it really kind of cements him. And without saying it, it cements him as more of like a street level guy. The dark suit kind of blends in a little bit more with the surroundings of the city than the bright red and blue of the Spider-Man. Yeah. 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 He's not flashy. Yeah. Right. It's more Batman like in the shadows. I mean, he kind of comes right out of the shadows in his introduction, too. So it kind of <laughs> yeah. it, it works out pretty well. <laughs> yeah. That's such a good point. Yeah. 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 That's so cool. He's literally a darker character. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think this episode as the first part of the two-parter does a good job very quickly establishing like who Daredevil is, what he does, and what we're meant to sort of expect from him, regardless of how long we know he's going to be around, right? Um, and in that sense, I think it does its job. Yeah. And it gives you a good, I mean, kind of like what you said, it gives you a nice, um, a nice solid foundation of Daredevil and who he is mm-hmm. without making the whole episode about his backstory. Like, mm-hmm. even within that short period of time where they introduce, like, how he got his powers or, like, even Stick, that whole backstory, which they usually don't include. I think maybe the Netflix series was one of the first media representations of him to include that in, in its entirety. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They they crammed a decent amount of characterization in there for a, like, 21-minute yeah. episode. 
Yeah, and yeah. considering like like we liked last week's episode, but last week's episode is about totally new characters and it spends the vast majority of the episode with those characters and Spider-Man's almost incidental. This one doesn't do that, right? Like they yeah. incorporate Daredevil really well, but Spider-Man and Peter Parker are a big part of the story and that they're sort of interlocked in a necessary way as opposed to like, oh, where do we fit Spider-Man into this? Like yeah. it, it yeah. it's much better balanced um, in a more conventional way, yes. even though I really like last week's episode. This yeah. makes more sense. I think it helps that it's a two-parter, so they have yep. plenty of space and room to breathe. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yep, yep, well, yep. I referenced this at the top of the show. AP will be joining us next week as well for the second half of this two-parter. Um, but in the meantime, AP, if people want to find you or things that you're doing or things that you're on, where can they look for you? Well, you can find me um, pretty much our regular episodes every other Saturday, Ranger Command Power Hour. We have some extra episodes every now and then as well. You can also find me, myself, on Twitter at SecretRangerFan. I tweet about the whole gamut of topics. I don't only tweet about Power Rangers. <laughs> Absolutely. I would recommend. It's a good feed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I try. <laughs> Well, if you'd like to find more from uh, Derek and me, you can find us all over the place. The first place I would direct you to is our Patreon at patreon.com slash wallopingwebsnappers. And as long as AP is here, I may as well plug the Ranger Command one as well at patreon.com slash rangercommandph, I think. Yes, I believe so. Or you can just search Ranger Command Power Hour on Patreon. Um, and check out our Discord. There should be a link in the show notes. If you can't find it, just let Derek or me know. Um, if you'd like to find Derek or me individually, you can all over the place. Derek, where can people find you and the things you're working on? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale, and you can also find me on YouTube on my video essay series, Second Chance, which looks at bad or divisive media, but from a positive lens. What about you, Doug? You can find me on Twitter at Ikibuli, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. I just made a fancy little link tree that has all my links, Ooh. so you can find me on a, a Pokemon podcast. There's a link there. It's called Victory Road. You can find me on a Books and Games podcast. Uh, there's a link in there. It's called Novel Gaming. Uh, all sorts of things. You can find everything i'm working on there right on my twitter at icky bully um, if you'd like more from derek and me together you can check out our monthly podcast falling with style it's an ongoing pixar movie marathon where we watch every pixar film chronologically our episode on brave is out now and you can check that out wherever you get your podcast of course uh, you can visit our website at wallopingwebsnappers.com which has a full archive of everything derek and i are working on together and you can follow us on twitter instagram and facebook at wallopingwebpod you can email us at wallopingwebsnapperspodcast at gmail.com and like I mentioned at the top of the show, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcasts. It's very helpful. It helps people find us. Uh, next week, Daredevil continues to help Spidey out of his bind in The Sins of the Fathers, Chapter 7, The Man Without Fear. See you then. See ya. See ya.